This is Maggie Barron from Chicago, and this WBEZ podcast is made possible with the support of listeners like me. Send WBEZ some love by making a donation online at WBEZ.org. Thanks. And thank you, Maggie. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Jason Mark, and this is the best of BEZ Talk. Probably the biggest story, at least the most talked about story last week, was the trial and acquittal of George Zimmerman. Now, the death of Trayvon Martin and the case against Zimmerman sparked a range of emotions, countless conversations from a number of angles. On the afternoon shift, Nyla Budu reached out to members of the clergy from a couple of different communities to find out what they were saying to their congregations. Ian Simpkins, he's the pastor of Poplar Creek Church in Bartlett, and Bishop Horace Smith is from the Apostolic Faith Church here in Chicago. Bishop Smith started things off by talking about how he ministers to his community when large charged events like this take place. I don't think we do it any differently. I think that, you know, the event uh, that involved, unfortunately, Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman and those things is is nothing new. Uh, I think the challenge is um, young people and others uh, hearing the verdict and then having to put that in some context with their own life and their own experience and uh, being Americans in this country. And that was the difficult part is uh, the acute event that happened uh, and what we understood about it and the outcome of it. It was very difficult. Pastor Simpkins, um, I know that you know, obviously for you, um, you know, I think it's interesting. First of all, if you can, you know, Bishop Smith, uh, your congregation is in Chicago. Um, Apostolic Faith Church is in the city, right? Right, right in the heart of the city, you know, 10 minutes from downtown. And we've been there since, well, the church has been there since 1915. Okay. And um, Ian, your church um, in Bartlett, kind of a different congregation than, mm-hmm. Pastor, um, than Pastor Smith, but mm-hmm. I similar challenges you faced last Sunday morning? I would say that the similar, yeah, the challenges are most certainly similar and, and perhaps uh, different in the sense that um, oftentimes the conversation isn't taking place at all. That's often the goal, I think, of suburban life. And I, I don't know that uh, an absence of racial conversation is an absence of racial prejudice. So when we speak of issues uh, in the media or in our own personal lives, um, part of, I think, the suburban problem is that we've developed a context where we hide ourselves behind our 10-foot fences, and the goal uh, is not necessarily to branch out to uh, people groups who look, think, talk, act differently than we do. So the issue is uh, very prevalent, but I think for many people, um, a below-the-surface issue. You know, Bishop Smith, I think that oftentimes people tend to call upon um African-American clergy uh, to sort of be the voice of the community. And I wonder how much of that burden you feel now in particular with uh, this situation. Well, well, I think that's correct in in this context that, you know, traditionally and historically, if you look at uh, voices for African-Americans, especially poor people, uh, the, the church has been the most singular institution, as I'm concerned, and be in that voice. Now, do we speak for everyone? No, we don't. In fact, you know, the church is not monolithic, even in the African-American community, but I think that that voice is very important, and people tend uh, to take uh, their cues and some uh, real issues of leadership, you know, from the pastor and from the church. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that there is no question that 
this issue in particular, uh, pastors and clergy have had to be able to stand before people and, and answer questions, and, mm. and many of it from the source of uh, incredibility. How could this have happened? How could this bird have come out this way? You know, what, is, what does this mean to us you know, each and every day? And uh, for me, it wasn't anything new. I, I did not, I was not totally prepared for it, but I was not totally surprised either, knowing the culture of where it happened and, and the process uh, that we have in our country. Uh, we have a, an excellent judicial process, and in, in America is one of the best in the world, but this case shows it's not perfect. Uh, and, and there's some reasons behind it. I think Pastor Ian talked about uh, what is certainly true for all of us uh, in the church. If we, if we don't connect together, if we don't share, we don't know each other on a daily basis, then we should not be surprised by the, uh, these outcomes. And sometimes that we're very divided in our perspective. So Bishop Smith, I mean, how do you respond to people asking you, these really hard questions about Trayvon Martin's death. Well, you know, you know, here's the way I, that I said to our church, and we said it from when it very. I have to admit this: when when this incident happened, and I tend to be a little bit conservative, I, I wanted to wear a hoodie in my pulpit. I have mm-hmm. never done anything like that before, but I was outraged at the response of some persons to characterize a, a 17-year-old boy, and I heard something last night in Bill Murray where the guy says, well, Trayvon was a uh, wannabe uh, gangbanger. I, 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 we are appalled at those characterizations by people who don't know what they're talking about. I, I could not agree with you more, sir. I think that, uh, for me, the bedrock of the discussion uh, is that uh, no matter how much uh, I claim to know, I was not there that night. And so regardless of the side of the fence uh, that we stand on, I believe that clergy, uh, communities of faith need to expand their circle of compassion uh, because uh, one of the things that we talk about regularly in our community is that our God is not a God of the sidelines. He does not stand at a distance. He is the one who pitches his tent among the people of suffering. And we so often in the church are known for what we're against uh, and so rarely for what we are for. I remember a story I heard about Mother Teresa and some students had asked uh, if she would join them in an uh, anti-war march. And she said, absolutely not, but if you have a march for peace, I'd be happy to join. So I, as a pastor, as a, uh, uh, just as a, a, a fellow human, uh, my desire is, regardless of what the verdict was, where we stand on the details, uh, that as people of faith, we need to begin to... Uh, uh, place ourselves in the context of suffering. We need to open a dialogue. We need to listen when people speak. We need to confront when we see uh, injustice and um, be a people that uh, speak up for those without a voice. Josh in Woodridge, you're on the afternoon shift. Hi, thanks for taking the call. Sure. What's your question? I uh, just wanted to kind of send a general question out. I come from a, I'm a Christian myself. I come from a faith community. And I found that this issue has been something that's really created, if not like aggressive conflict, it's created conflict. So the point of view I come from, I see, you know, Christ as a pacifist, and I see, you know, him as being a nonviolent person, but there are people in the faith community that, you know, I've got friends in my small group that own guns, and I, on the one hand, I, I look at the situation and I say, you know, would Jesus Christ own a gun? But on the other hand, these are people that I respect very much. So it gets to the point, my question is, how do you guys um, address these conflicts within that faith community? Well, I'll take a, you know, certainly a crack at it. You know, that's a very interesting uh, comment. You know, I often say that we have to ask ourselves, and this can be very controversial, 
you know, are we Christians first? Are we Americans first? Mm. And I will tell you, I'm a Christian first. I'm not African-American first. I'm not, you know, an American first. I'm a Christian first. So I, I think that even the church, the global church, oftentimes takes its cue more from its culture than from its Bible. Mm. And so I think that even issues like guns and violence, uh, issues that involve poverty, they're often informed more from our American historical context than from a biblical context. And so oftentimes we, we are at odds because I think the perspective is informed more from being Americans. And, and America, I believe, is the greatest nation on the planet, but it does not get a pass. Hmm. Pastor Ian, I think this is, I want you to share with everybody, I know you did a survey monkey of your parishioners, uh, a little poll, that's what, in case folks don't know, a survey monkey is like a quick online poll <laughs> of your parishioners before you came on here to yeah. kind of, and it, I think it's a really interesting, it's sort of like, you and I have talked about how hard this conversation is to have, particularly yeah. in white suburban communities Absolutely. like your congregation. Yep. And I think part of the difficulty is that w- while we see strides in multiple arenas, Sunday morning from 11 to noon is still the most segregated hour in America. And to Bishop Smith's point, we need to stop reading the Bible through the lens of America and start reading America through the lens of the Bible if we were to be people of faith. I think that uh, what I had found in this survey was a series of questions that uh, in numerous occasions people uh, of a suburban context uh, also found themselves on uh, the receiving end of prejudice and stereotypes. But often it was identified as uh, reverse racism. And to my point, it's not reverse racism. Racism isn't simply white to black. It is uh, the entire context and the entire conversation. So there, there's certainly a lot of hurt. Uh, and I saw a, a polarized response between people saying, I don't think it's a big deal. We should stop discussing it too. This needs to be addressed now. So even in our small community, there is obviously uh, a great degree of varying opinions. And I think Regardless, uh, we want to believe that in theology we call this the incarnation. The incarnation of Christ yeah. is uh, the, the body of believers putting hands and feet, putting physicality uh, to the yeah. gospel. That we, we follow a Jesus who said, don't just come and learn about me, come and follow me. And there's movement and action involved in that. And so regardless, uh, I think that there's a receptivity uh, to a deeper and, and better conversation. You know, I really believe that this issue of racism, this is my perspective, I think our country has never addressed it honestly and openly. Hmm. And so I think that even spiritual leaders, in some ways, we have encouraged it by being so disconnected. We don't share pulpits. We don't share conversations. And so if you don't share on a a daily basis, this is the whole issue of incarnation, then when something happens, it's difficult. It's not surprising that we have such diverse views. I can think we that, swap pulpits? Can we, do, can we make that happen? I think we can. I would love I, that. I would I, love that. I think that. we must talk about that. Uh, we do it sometimes in, in, in Chicago, trying to say to people of diverse faiths and backgrounds, unless leaders of faith communities come together, it's going to be difficult to ever break down these barriers Preach. because we, we, we don't know one another. We don't mm. understand. When people hear your story, when people know our background, all of a sudden we become human beings yep. and not diverse races. But when, when we're in our own little you know, pulpits and our own little malls and communities, we don't know one another. So hmm. our views are so different, and I'm not surprised by it. Hmm. Yvonne, you're on the afternoon shift. When I heard the verdict, uh, the verdict, I was disappointed. I was angry. 
and I wanted to do something. I, I, don't, I don't know what I wanted to do, but I just felt like I had to do something. I, I, just, I wanted to march. I wanted to speak out. My family and I had many conversations about and, and still do up to this point. And I want to know what are some proactive things that people in the community can do to, 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 to be heard and to, you know, for those of us, of us who felt like the verdict was unfair and Trayvon Martin was done unjustly, what can we do at this point? I mean, sort of anything violent because we don't want it, you know, that never solves anything. But how can we move forward to, I don't even know that we can ever prevent this from happening again, but what can we do to make a difference? Jesus was about the truth. The truth was this. There is a distinct difference in being a black child in America, as great as this country is, than being a majority child. That's just, I know about that because I grew up in the 60s and 70s. So for us to ignore that and to be silent, this will continue to happen. Cases happen every day just like this for another reason, because you're, you're not a majority person and you're looked at differently. We must end racism by being activists together, not a white movement, not a black movement, but joining forces mm -hmm. together and making sure that we leverage our voices and become known to each other. It will make a huge difference. That was Bishop Horace Smith of the Apostolic Faith Church here in Chicago, along with Pastor Ian Simpkins of Poplar Creek Church, talking religion, race, and using dialogue to bring us all closer together which is essentially what we're trying to do all day, every day, with our talk programs here on WBEZ. The Best of BEZ Talk is a production of Chicago Public Media. You can subscribe to this and all of our podcasts and iTunes. And when you get there, give us a rating and or a review. Thank you very much for that. You can also like us on Facebook. Follow us on the Twitters at WBEZ. Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect our community, our nation, our world. More information available at chicagopublicmedia.org. I'm Jason Mark. Until next week, thanks for listening.